What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brennan Schaefer along with you for this Friday afternoon episode of the pod as the Cardinals head up to Wrigley Field this afternoon, and they get off to a roaring start. They knock out Cole Stewart early in the game, did everything you'd want to see them do against the Cubs' young starter, and it all kind of fell apart from there. Cardinals lose 8-5 to to Chicago this afternoon. Apologize for no episode yesterday, but I figured that since I did want to try to cover this weekend series with y'all, I was going to take yesterday off along with the Cardinals, even though I said on the pod previously that I was going to try to do one. I lied. Sorry about that. But we're here today and breaking down what could have been a really hot start to the series for the Cardinals. Early on, it looked pretty good. If you stop about halfway through and you stop the count, It would have been 5-1 Cardinals as three of the first five innings St. Louis gets on the board. Like I mentioned, they knocked Stewart out of the game there in the fifth before he recorded a single out. They were just working him hard all afternoon. The pinch count was high from really the early going, and you had several contributors. Matt Carpenter coming through once again with a nice base hit. Dylan Carlson was the big swing of the game for the Cardinals' perspective. Look, I I had said during this at-bat to myself, man, this would be a really good time for Dylan to come through. Looking at his OPS as they flashed it on the screen, had fallen to 754 for the season. That's not terrible, but for the Cardinals to go really the way that we think they ought to be able to go, Dylan Carlson's got to be better than that, especially as their number two hitter. And I don't know exactly the trends, what they've been, but for his OPS to to drop to that area clearly he has not been quite as impactful as of late offensively and I thought man this would just be a great spot Wrigley Field for him to get going and drove it all the way to the wall in deep center field over the head of Chris Bryant not a home run but the next best thing gets a two-run double to get the Cardinals cruising I think that's the point at which Cole Stewart left the game Johan Oviedo to that point had been really strong on the other side we talked about coming into this series what the pitching matchup was going to look like at least on the Cardinals' side with Oviedo, Gant, and Carlos Martinez, three pitchers who you don't have a lot of confidence in right now exactly. And you look at Oviedo, his last outing was good, probably his best start of the season anyway for the Cardinals. He had that one relief appearance where he went something like three and two-thirds in relief of Ponce de Leon, one of those games, I was probably back all the way in April, where he looked pretty strong, and I made the the call for him to get a chance in the rotation all the way back then. Since then, he hadn't really put it all together for the Cardinals, but his his last outing looked like a step in the right direction. Four innings, two runs, lots of first-pitch strikes, had gotten away from the walk issues that had troubled him previously. And so coming into this start today, you had a little bit better feeling about Oviedo, but you did have to recognize it is the Cubs, it is Wrigley Field, and with the return to full capacity, there's just no place in baseball to me where things can spiral on you as quickly as a packed house Wrigley Field. And the Cardinals found that out as this outing progressed for Oviedo. Really wasn't entirely his fault. Yadier Molina had a a, a rough inning when he had a pass ball that allowed one run to score. I believe this was all in the fifth. Just on an inside pitch that got it ran inside. You know, Oviedo's got some really electric stuff and Sometimes when he misses a spot, you got to be ready. And, and Yachty just tried to backhand it, and it was it was not a good play. It was, you know, not Yachty or Molina-like. Of course, the next batter gets a base hit, and so in reality, it probably didn't make too big of a difference because the run would have scored anyway. And then similar situation later in the inning, tried to do the back pick over at third base with Arenado, and that's just not a play they've been able to get together since 
Arnold came to St. Louis. You remember when Albert was here in St. Louis all those years, they had it down going to first base. And Yachty and Goldie have even tried it on that side of the diamond with, with a little bit of success. This was really unsuccessful in that the throw sailed into left field, scored the run easily again. Again, nothing really Oviedo can do about that. But he just kept allowing too many base hits in that inning, and things kind of spiraled on him. Mike Schilt, you know, people I saw on Twitter were questioning in the fifth why they allowed Oviedo to re- remain in the game for as long as they did. Well, I, and I understand that, and I think it would be nice, especially if there were ever a time to do it, to be a little overly aggressive with removing your starter. It's this situation where you know that things can turn on a dime at Wrigley Field, and the crowd was into it. It's awesome from an environment perspective. I don't know. I, I saw some Cardinals fans there in the stands. I got to say, I don't think as many Cardinals fans make it up to Chicago as Cubs fans do to St. Louis, but uh, certainly there were some Cardinals representatives there at that one. But just in general, you, you want to be careful in these situations where you know the crowd w- can just start to vibe with the energy of the team and really make a difference. And when the Cubs are going hot like that, it's just a, it's tough to stop that train once it gets rolling. Cardinals found that out in the fifth inning. Oviedo, you know, four earned runs for the game, five hits that he allowed, one walk, five strikeouts. He looked really sharp early on in this one. Through three innings, he had faced the minimum other than Jack Peterson. Actually, I think he faced the minimum because they had a double play on a strike amount, throw him out after Jack Peterson reached base. And I said, look, if you get double that if you get three more innings like that from Oviedo Cardinals are not going to lose this game there is no way and I believe that a lot of people reading on Twitter that told me I jinxed the Cardinals missed the word if in that sentence because that wasn't me predicting that Oviedo was going to get through three more scoreless innings but to that point he had only thrown 40 pitches and he was he was cruising he looked really sharp but when the top of the lineup came up again I said it's going to be interesting to see what this looks like because it was going to be a challenge and sure enough first batter Jock Peterson once again hits a homer, and everybody's like, oh, here we go. But he didn't lose it at that point. He finished that fourth inning, one, two, three, after the homer. Looked like he might be able to hold it together a little bit. But then it was the bottom of the lineup as the fifth inning got going that gave him trouble after the Cardinals had already built for him a pretty nice lead there, and things just got away in that inning. He's got to be able to, you know, maintain that efficiency and effectiveness from innings one, two, and three on through innings four, five, and six. If he's gonna, he's still looking for his first major league win, right? He hasn't been able to get over that hump. And again, he's a young guy, is still only 23 years old. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got the big frame for a right-hander. He's got electric stuff. I think he's got a bright future. He's still working, though, to make those next steps, the differences of you know what it looks like to be able to, to thrive at a minor league setting and a major league setting. And to be honest, Prior to the season, I, I don't know what his Memphis numbers are this year because he was down there for a little while, but he really hadn't had a lot of minor league success at the upper levels, right? You remember before 2020 when he came up to the Cardinals midseason, there was no minor league season. He had been previously at A Springfield and didn't do very well there. His ERA was over five in 2019, and so he hadn't figured out what that was like yet, and they kind of rushed him along last year out of necessity he did a tremendous job to be able to hold his own under the circumstances. Came in this year, though, and you hoped he would be able to make that next step. It hasn't quite translated yet, and I, I still think there's time for it to do so. But that's kind of what you expected, right? Coming into this series, it was going to be a grind. You are going to have to rely on the bullpen. And for everything that we've said about Oviedo struggling as it's gone along here, after five innings, the Cardinals still had the lead. Ryan Helsley came in. 
He was able to get through the rest of that fifth inning without giving up any base runners. And then you go into the sixth, and that's where the rest of the Cardinals bullpen had trouble. Ponce de Leon gives up the long home run, the much-anticipated home run to Anthony Rizzo on the 14th pitch of the at-bat. And as that at-bat was going along, I thought, this is just a classic situation. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything to say about the way Ponce de Leon was throwing the ball. He had a couple of strikeouts in that inning. But I just thought the more pitches Anthony Rizzo sees from this guy, the higher the likelihood is that he's going to leave one down in the zone instead of up above the strike zone where he had been throwing most of those fastballs. If you look at the the pitch tracks on that at-bat for Rizzo, Every fastball was up in the zone or up above the zone. Just really good work by Ponce, but he wore him down. And eventually, fastball got it basically middle of the zone, and he crushed it. And that was the tying run. And from there, the bullpen continued to struggle. It wasn't the day for Henesis Cabrera, who only was able to record one out, gives up three hits and a couple of runs. And that was kind of it for the Cardinals at that point. They bring in Gallegos to finish out that inning, but you're going to need more offense when you're trailing 8-5 to five at that point. And the the question I asked Mike Schultz about, and I could play this answer for you if, if I guess I won't know if people are interested, but I think it might be worth hearing because to me, yes, the bullpen, an obvious problem. People want to complain about, you know, the, which relievers they use and leaving a guy too long in a situation. Totally valid. I understand the frustrations there, but at the end of the day, it's the same thing we've talked about all year long with this bullpen. The guys that are in that bullpen are the guys that are in that bullpen. And so, they go to Ponce de Leon because they didn't get a starter through even the fifth inning, so they had to have Helsley come in and rescue the fifth. Got to go to Ponce in the sixth, or else you can't do Genesis Cabrera, Gallegos, Alex Reyes in seven, eight, and nine. You've got to fill those extra innings one way or another. Yes, sometimes you can throw guys an extra inning, but it was just too early in the game at that point. And and then once Ponce de Leon gives up the bomb, it's a tie situation. Still aggressive for Mike Schilt. Like Cabrera is the guy that you would use for that next inning, and that's who he went to. If you're really trying to win the game, he's one of your your, your A-team guys, and they go to him, it just doesn't work out. He doesn't have a very good day on the mound, and that's your ball game. Woodford comes in for the last inning, the eighth, and gives up a, a home run, and they lose 8-5. to five. So even with Gallegos at that point, it was still only 7-5. But as I mentioned, you're begging for some more from the offense, which, again, you get five runs. A lot of days, that's really what we've asked of this offense, right? On the days where... It seems like you're not going to be able to pull out a big crooked number. Try to get to four, try to get to five, and see if you can have a chance to win a game because your pitching staff holds it right there. Well, in this case, it was kind of the opposite of that, where the Cardinals were able to get things going in the early innings, and in particular against the starter, Stewart. But once the Cubs' bullpen came in, it's like the Cardinals' offense went to sleep. They didn't have anything more for you, and and that, again, it's all about the synergy of the team. That can't exactly happen in a game where you've got the bullpen coughing things up after the starter didn't get you particularly deep into the game. And so these are the the issues plaguing the Cardinals right now. There's no easy answer to fix all these different elements at once. I think theoretically you get uh, starting pitching back where it needs to be. That kind of can allow everything to, to flow from there. But when you're missing three-fifths of a rotation and we still don't really know who the fifth starter is going to be for the Cardinals moving forward because – you only have four right now, the way they've orchestrated this week because of the two off days. Carlos Martinez is going to pitch on Sunday. And, you know, you look at, okay, Carlos Martinez, he's one of your starters. Like, when you actually lay it out on paper, it looks maybe more concerning than it is. I don't think that's the right way to say it. It looks just as concerning as it is when you say, okay, Carlos Martinez, that's one of your starters. 
How's he doing lately? Not very good. Four and two-thirds innings over his last two games, allowing 15 earned runs, I believe is the number. So you don't exactly have a lot of confidence with him going into Sunday Night Baseball. But the reason that the answer is what choice do you have other than to go with him is because of what you look at with the rest of the rotation. Oviedo was not a guy who started the season in your rotation, but he's he's here now because they've had injuries. So he's doing what he can do, but hasn't been able to get over that hump in the fifth and sixth inning to get deeper into games. Okay, who's your other names? John Gant. He'll pitch on Saturday. You know what happened to John Gant his last outing? Gave up seven runs, the walks, the hit-by-pitches, the base runners. They finally caught up to him. But again, you don't have any better option. He had been good previously as far as allowing runs. We know that he led the league in walks. We know that he gave up a lot of base runners and that the whip was nearly higher than the ERA heading into the last outing before kind of some separation and some regression was found with the ERA raising by a full run. But now he's going to pitch on Saturday at Wrigley Field coming off of a day where you use several of your, you know, two of your three big arms out of the bullpen. I still consider Cabrera, Gallegos, and Reyes to be the big three. Only a couple of outs recorded for Gallegos, and so trying to find real quickly the pitch count for him, he only needed six pitches, so you, you can bet your life that he'll be ready for tomorrow if if the Cardinals are in a situation where they need him. Reyes will be fresh, but Cabrera had a, a, a trying outing today. You used Helsley, only six pitches for him as well, so he'll probably be available tomorrow as kind of a, a promotion to one of those key guy situations late in the game. Not that he hasn't been used in those spots before, but... You're just looking at the docket of who's going to be there tomorrow. It, it It's already kind of starting to catch up to the Cardinals before you even get into game two of the series. So John Gant has to be good tomorrow. But he still leads the league in walks, I do believe. And, and he's that's just, you know, you're probably going to give up a couple of free passes. You have to hope that the, the double plays are in order for him. You have to hope that the hard contact is eliminated and he keeps the ball in the ballpark, which is partially dependent on what the wind's going to be like at Wrigley Field. Like that, that plays a major factor into it. I was a little surprised to hear Oviedo after the game today say he really tries not to focus on those other factors. I think maybe he thought the question was asked more about the fans being there at Wrigley because it was 100% capacity today for the first time. But really, the question I think was was trying to understand, does he pay attention to wind conditions at Wrigley? Because he did pitch there last year. He made his debut there a season ago, granted with no fans in attendance. But wind is an absolute factor up there and was curious to see what he thought about that. But said he doesn't really pay too much attention to it, which I understand you want to keep your focus. Uh, but certainly you find out what the wind is like when they're when they're knocking balls out of the ballpark which happened a, a couple of times today for the Cardinals. And they got to try to get on the other side of it tomorrow. Again, it'll be John Gant. Is he going to be able to get you very deep into the game? Maybe not. But you look at the three starters, as I mentioned, that you have this weekend at Chicago. Add Adam Wayne right into that. You feel pretty good about him, especially when he pitches at home, which he was able to get the Cardinals the win on Wednesday at home. And his next outing will line up in the Marlins series coming up beginning on Monday at Bush Stadium after they're done in Chicago. And so he'll get another home start there you feel pretty good about your chances if you're the Cardinals in those games. But otherwise, that's the list. Like, those are the guys that are in the rotation right now, and they have to figure out who that fifth guy is going to be. And they'll pitch in the Marlins series, and I'll be knocking on the, beating the drum for Matthew Libertor to be that guy until further notice. I think the Shelby Miller thing, if we talked about that a little bit, we've seen on Twitter conversation, uh, Derek Gould had, had said Shelby Miller was somebody the Cardinals might be interested in. And Shelby just replied and said, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think he had a stay tuned with some eyes emojis on there. And I think Shelby Miller would be great for the organization. Conceivably, you could start him in Memphis and then bring him up. But 
at the same time, you might just say throw him out there for a start if you really need to this coming week. Angel Rondon, we've talked about, could be a guy that starts, but it's it's just one of those situations right now where, yeah, you can blame the manager, you can talk about this or that being the problem, but it boils down to they just don't have the bodies and the guys that are on the roster eventually have to perform or you're not a winning roster. And so we'll see what they can do on Saturday. You know, for me, it's it's yes, the pitching is a, a big deal, but offensively you want to see a little more consistency throughout the course of the game. You love it. Five runs through five innings, that's great, but that doesn't mean you can rest on your laurels. And not saying the Cardinals did that exactly. Ask Mike Schultz about it. We'll give you his answer here, and 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 he'll kind of explain what he saw for why the offense didn't go great down the stretch. Not anything too too crazy that you hear from him. Pretty much what you'd expect, but we'll let you hear from him and then talk about it here for a minute. Mike, in particular, the guys did a pretty good job against the starting pitcher for the other side, getting to them early. Is there anything you're able to diagnose about why the momentum wasn't able to be kept up offensively, though, as the game evolved? Um, we did do a nice job, scored five. Um, Dylan, big swing. Yachty, good swings. Um, Nolan, big two-run single. You know, Vieto started off a couple innings with um, some niner um, with a couple walks and um, scored two runs. So, you know, we got we got in their bullpen. And, um, you know, I think it's a combination with some balls at people, you know, and uh, – some guys make some pretty good pitches coming out of the back end of their pen. And it's okay, of course, to credit the opposing bullpen for being able to do a good job against you. You look at the ERAs of the Cubs' bullpen, the guys they used in this one. Thompson, an inning, his ERA, 2.01. Tommy Nance, two innings, he gets the win, doesn't give up a run, hasn't given up a run, earned this season. I don't know how big the sample size is there. Ryan Tapera has been really good for them, 2.08 ERA. And then Kimbrell has been great. This season, a .69 ERA. Nice. 16 saves on the season for Kimbrell. His ability to bounce back from where he had been previously with with some struggles in the past as the Cubs closer has been a huge part in their ability to, to get into the top of the Central Division where they're right now neck and neck with the Milwaukee Brewers. Trying to find his career numbers because I know he struggled the last few years. Yeah, 2019, 6.5 ERA last year. 5.28, and suddenly Craig Kimbrell back to where he was really in the uh, Atlanta days and even the Boston days when he was pretty good there before coming over to Chicago. That It just is what it is, right, sometimes, and that's the way I think Mike Schultz described it there, and he did want to allude to, in the way you heard me ask that question, the fact that they scored runs early. Like, we scored five. Sometimes, you know, you have to put the onus on the bullpen to be able to hold it down. But you can just understand that the ask is going to be a little heavier on that relief unit when you've got Oviedo, when you've got probably Gant tomorrow in the situation that they're in. You're going to need your relief pitchers to to do what the Cubs relief pitchers did. And when you give up four runs as a as a bullpen unit and you lose by three, that's just kind of the story of the game. Even if you do score five runs and even if Oviedo did give you everything that he had, it's just that's the way games are going to break down, especially at Wrigley Field if you can't get the, the bullpen to go the way you need it to go. So we'll see how it responds tomorrow behind John Gant. Gant's going to have to give give his best shot. And if he can't get very deep into tomorrow's game, you know, you get into a tough situation because in other times of the season, you'd see Carlos go on Sunday and say, well, that's okay. He's a guy who can probably get you six or seven innings, and you may, may only need one or two relievers behind him, even in a, a winning scenario. But – you don't feel that way right now about Martinez, and it's just like the Cardinals are 
are jumping out of the plane, and you're going to have to hope the parachute opens. Like, that's where they're at this weekend at Wrigley Field. It's a tough spot to be considering the Cubs are ahead of you in the standings, considering the fact that you've already been on this kind of losing streak right now. Cardinals have lost eight of their last ten, just the way this MLB standings, the website breaks it down. I know we could go even deeper into that. It's It's been worse than that even. But eight of ten, and the Brewers over their last ten are eight and two to pass you up. The Cubs haven't been world beaters, but six and four has certainly been enough to gain four games on you, and that's the difference right now between the Cardinals and the Cubs after Friday's loss at Wrigley Field, 8-5. to five. Chicago coming out on top in that one. Going to wrap things up here, though, for this episode of the podcast. We've laid it out. We know what the Cardinals have got to do on Saturday. Try to, you know, at this point, it does feel like it would be a win in this series for the Cardinals to just escape with one out of three, just get one of the next two. And I know that's not a very good winning mentality if you're a Cardinals fan, but also, it feels like this is a spot in the season where things can really start to spiral on you. Like, if the Cardinals lose the next two and they get swept, they're below 500 when they come home to face the Marlins. So, dire straits right now for the Cardinals. Somebody's going to have to step up, be it one of the pitchers, two, three, five of the pitchers. Offensively, you know, tomorrow maybe is just one of those days where not only do you get to the starting pitcher, but you you, you try to chase him early, and then you continue to attack when the bullpen comes in. Cubs look like the better team right now against the Cardinals, and St. Louis has to figure out what they can do over the next couple of days to try to change that. Appreciate you guys, though, for listening, as always, to the B-Shape Daily Podcast. Make sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or even Spotify, if you do prefer, to make sure you're caught up on all the episodes as they drop throughout the season. Thank you all once again, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on B-Shape Daily.